Well, good morning, Oakwood. I hope you had a great Christmas. Let me just see the hands of those of you who maybe uh, overindulged yourself and ate too much this last week or too many sweets. Okay. I wasn't alone then. And I hope you got to spend some time with family and, and eat and you got everything you wanted. I want to tell you what I'm probably the most excited about is I didn't get a single fruitcake this year. Amen? But uh, the birds in the backyard are sure disappointed because uh, they always look forward to that every single year, those fruitcakes. This is the last Sunday of the 2019. In fact, as Lintha said, it's the last Sunday of this decade. So by this time next week, your clothes will be last year's models. Uh, your car will have depreciated another $1,000. And if you made any resolutions, you will be into like just a few days and probably still able, able to keep them. But hopefully when you look back over your life this year spiritually, you're going to see that you're not in the same place right now that you were when you began this year. Today I want to talk about living outside of our comfort zone and the fact that God is ready to stretch you and to take you to where, you, where he needs you to be. Not to where you are right now. There was an usher that was uh, working in a movie theater, and this guy was sprawled out taking three or four seats here. And, and he walked over to him and said, hey, hey sir, you, you can only have one seat. And the guy just kind of mumbled, and he goes, if you don't move, I'm, I'm going to have to go get my manager. Well, the guy didn't move, and so he went and got the manager, and they tried to prod him. Sir, you're taking a, a whole row here. You, you, can't, you can only have one seat. And they tried several times to get him to move and didn't have any luck. So finally, they ended up calling the police. And the police officer showed up. Hey, buddy, what's your name? And the guy just kind of mumbled, Joe. All right, Joe, where do you come from? He pointed. He goes, the balcony. <laughs> okay. You may sometimes find yourself like Joe outside of your comfort zone. And that, I want to tell you something. That's my prayer for you this year. Not in some kind of a weird way or, or, or something, but my prayer is that God takes you this coming year outside of your comfort zone. And I hope he stretches you and makes you really uncomfortable so that he can make you into what he wants you to become. Last week we celebrated the, the birth of Christ and I want to take you from the birth of Christ through the early years of, of the life of Jesus. And this is something that we often get kind of overlooked in the Christmas story. And in fact, uh, Matthew chapter 2, we're going to look at that in just a minute, doesn't tell us a lot about the details of those early years, but gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what the early years of, of Jesus was like. Um, and we can clearly see that God was at work in Jesus' life. So if you have your Bibles, open them up, Matthew chapter 2. And I'm going to read from the New International Version today. We're going to begin reading with verse 12. And having been warned, this is talking about the wise men that went to, to go see King Herod. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there 
until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went back to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So he fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. All right, let me tell you about Herod. Herod got outwitted here by the wise men. They left and didn't tell Herod that they had found baby Jesus. In fact, you remember the, the story, he said, well, Tell me so I can go back and worship him too. Well, the Lord revealed to these wise men, don't go back. Well, when Herod found that out, he, uh, he was furious. And so he decided to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem. So I did some research this week. At the time of the birth of Jesus, the town of Bethlehem, the population was about 300 people. And so if Herod killed all of the baby boys to and under in Bethlehem and maybe the immediate surrounding area, it would have, it's approximate that he might have killed 20 to 30 baby boys. Some people believe that he killed all of the two-year-old two and below in the entire region of Judea. And if that was the case, it could have been several thousand babies. He didn't care anything about taking innocent lives. The only thing that he was concerned about is eliminating a potential threat for his throne. Well, let me tell you what kind of a man Herod was. Human life meant absolutely nothing to him. When he first took over as king, he killed the entire Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the Jewish Supreme Court. He killed them all. Next, he killed over 300 men in his own court. Killed his wife killed his mother-in-law, three of his own sons. So uh, let me tell you, killing babies meant nothing to him. Human life meant zero to Herod. Augustus the, uh, said, you know, just kind of sarcastically, you were better off to be Herod's pig than you were his son. Well, verse 13, shortly before Herod's soldiers arrived, to the town, and then they stormed the town of Bethlehem, search of all these children. An angel appeared to Joseph and said, you've got to get out, and you've got to go, and you've got to go now. And so in the middle of the night, Joseph left with Mary and, and baby Jesus and left to Egypt right now, in the middle of the night. 
Well, the wrath of God soon fell on Herod. God was not going to let Herod be this ruthless, vicious killer of a man and go unpunished. Herod was struck down. Now, the Bible doesn't give all these details, but fortunately there was historians at the time, and I got to read some of their writings that told that he was stricken with a disease, and he was literally, now I know this is Family Sunday, so I'm going to try to keep this PG. He was literally eaten from the inside out by worms. Okay? It was a slow painful, agonizing, excruciating death that he went through to the point that he even tried to end his own life by stabbing himself and they stopped him from doing that. Okay, these historians said that gangrene set in in some of his private parts, okay? Like I said, I'm trying to keep this PG here for Family Sunday. And, And the stench, as they said, was so bad to go into his presence in the last several months of his life, it was a putrid smell of rotting, decaying, diseased flesh. And finally he died. You know, God took very seriously killing babies and messing with baby Jesus, didn't he? God kind of got, got the last say there. Well, next thing that happened... Verse 14 and 15, we see that Joseph got up, took his child in the middle of the night, and left until Herod died. And then it fulfilled what the Lord said, out of Egypt I called my son. Now this was a reference to Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 where it says, out of Egypt I called my son. Now something about prophecy is that the Old Testament prophecies often had multiple fulfillments. Or sometimes had a dual fulfillment. It was fulfilled once in the Old Testament, then again in the New Testament. This is one of those cases where there was a dual fulfillment of this prophecy. Out of Egypt, God called his spiritual son, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt under Pharaoh. You remember that? When they were slaves, he called them out of Egypt. Now, literally, he calls his own son out of Egypt, his son Jesus. So what would life have been like for Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, when they got to to Egypt, they probably had to stay a a period of three to four years till Herod was so sick that he finally died. But in Egypt, there were a number of Jewish colonies where some of the Jews went and settled there because they were constantly under persecution and it was common for them to seek refuge in Egypt. So that means that Jesus would have been raised in the early formative years of his life in a dual culture. So he would have probably had playmates that were both Egyptian and Jews. More than likely, he may have learned some of the Egyptian language as well as the Jewish language. Joseph, his dad, probably had carpenter customers, you know, he was a carpenter, that were Egyptians. They probably went and and got their groceries in an Egyptian marketplace. But when Herod died, God appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he told him, I want you to bring, bring your family back. And I want you to go back to the land of Israel. Well, Joseph was a little bit afraid of Archelaus because he was the son that survived. He didn't know what kind of a guy he was, so he went and settled in Nazareth. Now, it was about 125 miles to go from, from 
the town of Bethlehem to Egypt, but then from Egypt to Nazareth was about 200 miles. That's not that far, except if you're traveling by a donkey. Pretty good little trip. Probably wouldn't have been Joseph's first choice, either one of those, to go either to Egypt or to Nazareth. Because remember, he, his hometown was Bethlehem. That's where his family was. And if you've got a new baby and a new wife, you want to be around your family. You want them to help you. You want to grow up with cousins and, and, and brothers and sisters. But God said, I'm going to get you out of my, your comfort zone and you're going to go to Egypt. Now I'm going to send you to Nazareth. But these times, when they were out of their comfort zone, God was shaping and molding Jesus, getting him ready for later in life. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says that as Jesus was growing up, he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Hebrews 5.8 says he learned obedience from what he suffered. You know, a lot of us have a hard time understanding Jesus happened to learn. I mean, he's God. Wouldn't he already know it? But he came as a baby. He came as man in the flesh. So that meant he had to learn to walk. That meant Mary had to change diapers. Believe it or not, you know, you don't hear about that in the Christmas story, do you? Jesus had to learn to talk. He had to learn to read. He had to, to be able to, at some point in term, learn to read the scriptures. So Jesus went through this process of, you know, of learning. His dad was a carpenter. He probably learned some carpentry skills. I imagine his mom said, you've got to go clean your room from time to time. But God had led Mary and Joseph out of their comfort zone for a reason, for protection, but also to prepare Jesus for his ministry later in life. And I think it's the same way for us. When we find ourselves forced out of the comfort zone, you can be sure that God is preparing you for something else. He may be preparing you for something else when you go to that new job and it just didn't work out like you thought it would work, work out. Or that you have to go to a new community and it just hasn't been the the fun community you thought it was going to be, or your kids end up with a new school and it just is not working out very well. Or maybe you find yourself unexpectedly single, either through a divorce or maybe through the death of a loved one, and you're just not sure what God has in store for you. I believe it's during these times in life when we're forced out of our comfort zone and we find ourselves fleeing to Egypt. We end up in the middle of the night, not completely certain why. We have no idea what's coming or what's going to be there when we get there, but we just know we've got to flee in the middle of the night to Egypt and get out of our comfort zone. But I believe it's during these times that God uses those times to stretch us, to make us what he wants us to be. I think there are quite a few lessons that we can learn from this, but I just want to give you three today real quick that, that you can hang on to. When you find yourself in Egypt, out of your comfort zone, I think God wants to teach you to stretch your boundaries. Jesus spent his early childhood 
in a foreign country. That meant that there were people there of a different skin color, different culture, different language. He and his family were in the minority, but Jesus saw from an early age that this world is not the tiny little place that he thought it would be. That there's another whole big world out there that not everyone acts alike, talks alike, behaves alike, looks alike. And then when Jesus began his ministry, he understood that God brought him into this world to save us and to build a relationship with not just the Jews, but for all of mankind, even those people that don't look like we look like. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants to stretch your boundaries. And I want to tell you, stretching is no fun, is it? it sometimes it's painful. I was sharing with my brother yesterday. I don't know if you happen to see on Facebook, but I, I put like a 34-year challenge. I've been refereeing basketball for 34 years. So if you saw an early picture of Alan and a picture of Alan, he's still going. I used to pride myself and I, still the ball up, and I didn't need to stretch. Wouldn't get outrun by any of these young kids. Wouldn't happen. Now there's a whole whole series of stretching and preparing myself just so I don't pull a muscle or, or get injured. And it's not fun. Sometimes it's painful. But that's what God wants to do. He wants to stretch us. He wants to get us out of our comfort zone so that we can see the world through his eyes and not our eyes. Now, anybody that's ever been on a mission trip is going to get stretched out of your comfort zone. You're going to get stretched from your boundaries. You're going to see kids that have never played a video game. You're going to see adults that have never bought a new pair of shoes. You're going to see people that probably don't know where their next meal is coming from. And your eyes are going to be open to a whole different world that's out there. And God wants to get you from here to there. He wants you to see the world as he sees it. There's two people in our church that I admire and respect very much. Paul and Mary Wilson spent the, the biggest majority of their ministry years in the Philippines ministering to people that spoke a different language, different culture, looked different, acted different. But God called them there out of their comfort zone. And he used them and stretched them. I hope that at some point in time you can sit down with Paul and Mary and hear all the stories about what they went through. Some of you may not know that Paul was robbed one time at gunpoint, and he was shot, shot through both legs. So if you see him walking with a limp, it's because he was shot through his legs. He still got the bullet slug that they pulled out of him. They were trying to rob him from vacation Bible school material, and he was so proud that they didn't get it. Leah and I got to go to Swaziland, Africa this past June, and we got to spend time with Doug and Margaret Margaret Eaton, uh, dear friends, and, and they had committed three years to go to Swaziland. Doug had been an executive with State Farm and lived a very comfortable life, but God called them out of their comfort zone to go to Swaziland, one of the poorest countries in the world, and at one time it was, had the highest rate of AIDS, a lot of orphans in that country because of AIDS. God called Doug and Margaret to go and to love and to minister to those people. 
to get out of their comfort zone, out of the food they like, out of the, the, the conveniences that they like, and said, I want you to go here. And I want you to love and minister to these people. If today you're living outside your comfort zone, it's because God is giving you a chance to stretch your boundaries to a whole new level of usefulness and ministry. And he wants you to teach you to see the world through his eyes and his perspective, not yours. Second reason God wants to lead you outside of this comfort zone is so that you could experience his protection. You see, God sent Jesus to Egypt to protect him from Herod's soldiers. And that's the same reason that God sent them back to Israel and they went to Nazareth instead of Bethlehem when they returned. Now, wouldn't it have been a whole lot more comfortable for, for Joseph to just stay in Bethlehem? You know, that's where his citizenship was. But for his protection in, in, of his family, he needed to be in Egypt. And then later Nazareth. There was a period in my life where I truly believe I experienced God's protection. My first ministry in, right out of Bible college was at the Christian church in Watonga. And, and I think anytime you have a first ministry, a, a first car, a first boyfriend or girlfriend, those are always kind of special. You kind of develop a special love. Well, I loved that church. They loved me. It was great. Had no intention of leaving. Didn't want to move. And I got a call from this church in, in Garden City, Kansas. I'd never been to Garden City in my life. And called me, wanted me to come there. I said, well, thanks, but I'm not interested. Goodbye. And, and they kept calling and kept calling. Just come check us out. You'll like us. You know, you, we got this great church. A lot of, I'm like, um, I, I'm really not interested. Thank you. Well, just, just come for a weekend and let us, let us just show you what Garden City is all about. Okay, you guys aren't going to leave me alone. And so I came up with a whole list of things that were going to have to happen that God was going to have to work through before we moved to Garden City, Kansas. We got there and God worked through all of them. And they were like, all right, what do you think? I got to think about this. And I got in my car and we drove started home, and Lee and I got into a discussion. We don't fight, but we got into a pretty spirited discussion in those 50 miles between Garden City and Dodge City, and she said, you told God that if he worked these things out, you would go, and, that, and now you're backing out. I said, I did? Yeah, you did. Okay, so we pulled the car over in Dodge City, called back and said, yeah, we'll come. I kind of went kicking and screaming. I didn't know why God was calling me there because I really loved the church in Watonga. But what I didn't know was the church in Watonga, people that I loved, were going to go through a very difficult period. They ended up firing their minister. People within the church that I loved and knew, they began to bicker and fight with each other, and it was kind of an internal war. And it would have been very, very painful for me well, after I got to Garden City, the minister there, after about a year, he left. And so for about six months, I was kind of on my own in Watonga. At that point, had hired a new minister, and they called and said, hey, would you consider coming back? I said, yeah, how soon can you get a truck here? And I went back and stayed seven more years and had a wonderful ministry with people that I love and still have some very dear friends there. But I believed 
that God protected me from emotional and spiritual pain that would have been so difficult. And it might have been tough to over, overcome something like that. Seeing people that I love that much bicker and fight. You see, when God leads you out of your comfort zone, he may be doing it to protect you and your family. We may not understand it, but we have to understand that God's ways are always the best way. And he knows what he's doing. And we've got to trust him. third lesson I want us to, to learn is that we have to learn to depend on God. Verse 13, God told Joseph to take his family to Egypt. He said, and stay there until I tell you. He didn't say, hey, I want you to go for six months or a long vacation, a, a, a year or two. Joseph wasn't told how long they were going to be there. He just said, go, and I'll tell you when to come back. Well, how long do I have to pack? Right now, you're going tonight, the middle of the night. Get your family, you're moving. And where are we going? To Egypt. Do I have a house there? Get to Egypt. It'll work out. How long? I'll tell you when to come back. Joseph and Mary had to learn to trust God. They didn't know all the details. And God may be right now stretching you, taking you out of your comfort zone, and you're saying, God, where are you going to take me? How long am I going to be there? What's going to happen when I get there? I'll let you know. You go, I'll tell you. Those are difficult moments when we have to put our faith into action. A few weeks ago, I was uh, watching TV and just kind of scrolling through the channels, and the movie Castaway came on. And it, you've probably seen that. It's kind of an old movie now about Tom Hanks, and he worked for uh, FedEx and was on a plane that went down over the ocean. He, he drifted up on to a shore, you know, on a deserted island. And he stayed there for, for years and, you know, went through his life where he, you know, was there I don't know how many years, but never once in that movie. And this is what was a little bit unrealistic to me. Never once did we see him when he washed up on shore, Lord, thank you for saving and sparing my life. We never did in that entire movie ever see him ever reach out and call on God, God, I need some help here. Even when he had to knock a tooth out that was, you know, abscessed or something. Never once did we see him thank God for his protection and provision. That just to me is completely unrealistic. Because even people that are not considered religious, and I'm not, I don't really like that term, but that's I don't know another term that I can really use, people of great faith, but people that are, are not considered religious, they're the first people when tragedy or crisis or turmoil strikes their life, they're the ones that call and say, hey, would you pray for my family? You know, the same people that put all kinds of ungodly stuff on Facebook, but then something happens, please pray for my family. Now, whether they ever turn their life over to God or not, I don't know, but at least at that point, they are reaching out to God. One of my favorite stories is about Howard Rutledge. In 1965, he was shot down and captured by the Vietnamese, and he was held uh, as a prisoner of war for seven years in what they called the Hanoi Hilton just a dreadful Vietnamese prison. 
And by his own account and his own uh, definition, he said, I was marginally religious. But when I got there, that's when his faith exploded and grew. He was definitely out of his comfort zone. He didn't know how long he was going to be there. But he shared that the best Christmas Eve that he ever spent was all alone in a cell. It was him and God. Nobody else, just him and God. And it was there that he had to learn to depend on God and to trust him. I think, friends, when we are forced out of our comfort zone and we don't know what the next day, the next month, the next week's going to hold, it gives us an opportunity to experience the presence and the power of God in our life more than ever before. And if you are out of your comfort zone right now, I believe it's because God is trying to teach you something. And it's my prayer for you this year that God takes you out of your comfort zone, your own little bubble of security, wherever you find either ministry or friendship or wherever you find your niche. My prayer is that God takes you out of that comfort zone and makes you really, really uncomfortable. Now, he's probably thinking, Alan, that it sounds like you're really wishing something bad. No. I'm my prayer for you is for you to be in a place where God can use you, not for what you think is best, but what he thinks is best, what he wants you to accomplish. I want to tell you, at some point in time, you are going to be forced out of your comfort zone. It's going to happen. For some of you, it might be right now. But you get a chance to see the world through God's eyes, through his perspective. You see, God's not so much worried about our convenience and our comfort as he is your relationship and your obedience to him. Sometimes God makes us comfortable. Sometimes he doesn't. But guess what? God is still just as good when we're comfortable as when we're uncomfortable. So when you leave your comfort zone, you have the chance to experience God's protection, his, his comfort, and all the while he's going to use those moments to shape and to mold your character into what he wants you to be. Pray with me. Lord, as we um, looked at the life of Jesus, and we see how it was just a miraculous birth, but Lord, you spared Jesus in a miraculous way when you took him out of Bethlehem and, and you spared his life. You got him away from the vicious king that, that wanted to end his life and ended up killing many babies. Lord, I pray for the people here of Oakwood that, Lord, you take them past their comfort zone, that you stretch them, that, Father, that you pull them to the point where they're uncomfortable. And all the while, that you use that to mold and to shape their character and to open their eyes so they can see this world and see others from your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're out of your comfort zone right now, today. 
Maybe you're going through something that you can't see the end. You don't know how it's going to end up, but God sees. Most of the time when we're going through something, if we thought, you know, if I, if I knew I was only going through this for a short time, I could hang on. God doesn't always tell us how long. In fact, he seldom tells us how long. But he says, trust me. Maybe you're going through something like that right now and you just need to, to pray and to, to talk with some people. I want to invite you to come over and talk with our decision counselors and, and we want to pray with you and love on you and minister to you right now. Maybe you have a decision in your heart that you need to make for Jesus to finally surrender your life and heart to make him the Lord once and for all. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus.